0: If you can draw a picture of the problem you're halfway to a solution if, it, if if it can't be drawn it can't be done and if you can start to visualize or draw a picture then you start to have a plan welcome
1: to the amplifying cognition podcast formerly the thriving on overload podcast i am ross dawson a futurist and entrepreneur fascinated by the unlimited potential of the human mind each week i speak to incredible people who are working on how we can get to next level thinking sense-making, and decision-making, so we can keep ahead in an accelerating world. My guests share how they amplify their productivity, the success of organizations, and the potential of humanity by using an array of technologies, including AI, innovative processes, and sometimes simple everyday practices. I do this podcast to learn. I learn so much from every guest I speak to, and I'm sure you will too. If you are intent on amplifying your cognition, simply go to amplifyingcognition.com to access a trove of useful resources, including the Humans Plus AI Learning Community, resources and downloads from my book, Thriving on Overload, the Thought Weaver app, which allows you to interface more effectively with AI, transcripts from all of our podcast episodes, and far more. That's amplifyingcognition.com. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe to hear more and help others to find the podcast by liking or sharing. It makes a massive difference. So thank you. On this episode, we talk with Dave Gray. Since the 1980s, Dave has focused on developing visual maps and stories that make complex information more actionable and easier to understand. He's founder of visual thinking company Explain and the experimental learning community, The School of the Possible, as well as the author of a range of excellent books uh, including Gamestorming connected company and liminal thinking you can find more on his work at explain.com that's x-p-l-a-n-e at visualframeworks.com and on social media with his twitter at dave gray that's g-r-a-y in this episode we talk about visual thinking and frameworks game storming the art of the possible going towards the fear and i found the conversation really inspiring and uh, is uh, definitely someone to uh, we can uh, learn from. So stay tuned for an excellent conversation with Dave Gray. Dave, it is awesome to have you on the show. Oh, great to be here. Thanks for having me. So you are a visual thinking master. Uh, I've believed in visual thinking all the way along and your work has been a reference point all along the way. So how did you get there? Did you start thinking visually or did you discover it? Uh,
0: well, I, I guess for me, it was uh, it was a path of uh, growing up and uh, it was a learning process for me. I mean, for me, I was always drawing, always uh, somehow um, trying to process information by making pictures of it. Um, so I, I didn't fit easily or simply into the, the education system at the time. Maybe we could talk more about that when I was growing up, but I uh, found my way to art school and, um, uh, and graduating art school, as you can imagine, there wasn't, there was, uh, this then the beginning of the problem, which was to solve, to solve, which was to figure out how I'm going to find my, my place in society. And, um, so, it's been a long process of uh, an artist figuring out, oh, you know what makes um, art or the arts uh, relevant and meaningful, and how it can be of service to the rest of the world because i've never I never thought of art as something that um, artists do uh, purely for themselves, but uh, for me, um, creating value and understanding how that Works is, was a really important part of it as well. So,
1: so, so the, uh, many artists delve into emotions of various kinds, but yours is very much what I've seen, anyways, around thinking. So, and how does we think, and how do we lay that out visually?
0: Yeah, I mean, it, uh, That and so, so for me, I've that's I've always been a very curious person. I grew up in a family of my, you know, of of uh, uh, my dad was an engineer, my brother is an engineer um, different in different zones or areas, but, um, yeah. So for me, it's, uh, I was focused on problem solving from an early age and, uh, figuring things out and, uh, picture making simply was a superior way for me. And, um, turns out it's a really fantastic way to explore a lot of, um, Complex concepts and ideas it's not, I wouldn't say that it's um, not emotional because emotion is tied closely into thinking and um, but you know in the same way that some people would say writing is thinking it's a way of clarifying your thoughts um, and it's there's a difference between having a thought and being able to articulate it clearly um, drawing is also a thinking and by drawing, it's a different kind of thinking, and drawing um, is a is a way of um, clarifying your thoughts in the same way that writing is or can be.
1: Yeah, in my in my book Thriving on Overload, I describe how Jeff Bezos says, you know, if, if you write six things, six pages on something, you've got to think clearly. And I said, you know, I said, well, actually, if you've got some diagrams as well, that's clear thinking. But you can you can you can write the things which are very fuzzy and murky and messy but if you put things in a diagram you've got to be thinking clearly
0: uh jeff bezos is a, is a brilliant thinker in many ways someone i have a lot of admiration for uh people may have different differing schools of thought or points of view on him um but uh, i think he's a brilliant man and uh, he has found a way with amazon to um turn complexity from a disadvantage in organizations into an advantage. And I think that it really is a pioneer in organization design in that way.
1: Yes. And also a systems thinker implicitly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think the first time I came across your work was your book, GameStorming. And this is, there a, I, I was, you know, my interpretation of it is, you know, using visual thinking to help groups to achieve outcomes.
0: Yes. Yeah. I mean, the original title of GameStorming was the Visual Thinking Playbook. Um, we, uh, but game is uh, about taking ideas. It's a it's a it's a recipe book, I guess, if you will, a cookbook for having better meetings using things like sticky notes and uh, whiteboards and um, markers. And um, it's uh, it offers uh, a suite of ideas and tools for um, how to work with a group to um use space uh to think better. So and um what's you know in the last uh well since COVID I guess the last five years or so um uh the virtual tools have really t- Come a long, long way, and when I say space, I it used to be that I meant you know in a physical room. But now there's a ton of things that you can do, and a, a lot of great tools for working together visually in virtual space as well. So it's uh, it's it's an exciting time for a visual thinker. I'll say that.
1: So, which which goes to the point that it's not just visual thinking; it's visual communication. So I've got these things in my head, and we can either I can either put them out. Into some visuals, or we can together create those visuals. So that's this form of communicating or finding uh, common language.
0: Well, it's also the the uh, the fact that you know we and we all have uh, a set of beliefs and a world of thoughts in our head. And when we work with other people on a team, there's there's a challenge of getting all those thoughts together and al- getting aligned about. What do you think? What do I think? What what do these three or four other people think? And um, so visual thinking is a way to not only to get your own thoughts out, but to get them out in a way that you can think with other people. And, um, you know, I, I've heard a phrase that I really like, which is the smartest person in the room is the room. And um, <laughs> what that means is that... Um, there is no one smartest person in the room. The smartest, the, the, the intelligence is a collective thing that comes out of finding ways to share our thinking and integrate it. And so in the same way that, you know, if you can think about, well, you might find it useful to sit down and make a PowerPoint or sit down and write down your thoughts or sit down and uh, scribble or sketch on a piece of paper. If you can find a structured way to do that with a group uh, where you can sketch together, you can um, formulate your ideas together while they're still in a, that, uh, that kind of fuzzy zone that it, where sketching happens, that um, it's while the ideals are, are still forming, then um, you can create a lot of, uh, you can find a lot more powerful and interesting ideas, and you can also um, integrate them in ways that are, can be really powerful too.
1: Have you worked with boards or executive teams, like small groups on big strategic uh, issues, and using these tools?
0: Uh, in fact, well, that's where they came from. So, you know, I've, uh, you know, I, I, I alluded to the problem of being someone coming out of our school and trying to figure out how to make their way in the world, and the way that I did that um, was uh, first I was uh, did infographics for newspapers. You, by infographics, I mean everything from a map or a chart to a visual uh, visual explanation of some kind of a complex story or phenomenon. And uh, I um, had an idea that this could be a very powerful tool for business uh, thinking. And so I started a company um, that became a... I guess you could call it a design consultancy focused on helping organizations think better by thinking more visually. So um, I would say for, for the 30 years or so, I did that. I worked with uh, executive teams and boards, um, sales teams on, um, so, uh, you know, when you have a startup you have a new idea. You have something that's going to transform society. You have to tell that story. And then uh, when a, a technology company buys the startup or when the startup is successful, then you have a selling story that you have. Again, the same a similar story, but now you have to tell that story to not just to investors and early customers, but you've got to tell it to um, customers who are in larger organizations who are buying something that... Um, they need to know they can count on and then once the technology company buys it they have to sell it to their customers so there's storytelling and selling um all along the way from investors to um, all the way up through through the layers of business and out to consumers and through the factory so yeah i've been in i've uh had the privilege to work with people in almost every industry a lot of technology work um And, uh, of course, technology, as you can imagine, permeates through every industry these days. There's no industry it doesn't touch. So through um, focusing on uh, uh, explaining new technology and its impact, um, that was the name of my company, Explain. So I did a lot of explaining, visual explaining.
1: One of the things which I've always been focused on is how do we align the thinking of particularly boards and executives? And I don't know if you've come across the work of Colin Eden at Strathclyde University. He is mm-hmm. essentially no. uh, uses concept maps, yeah, you know, essentially system thinking. So he basically goes through to draw out the implicit mental model or system that each of the executives has of the world and then brings those together so that we actually have a common systems model or, uh, or concept map of the, uh, you know, of the world in which they're operating. And I think, you know, that bringing in the systems thinking visually, you know, this has to be done visually, of course, you know, but this way of how you align the thinking.
0: Yeah. There's a limit to how much you can hold in your head. Uh, it, you know, and, uh, but I, I would say I would draw a distinction between exploring and explaining, you know, sometimes when you're doing strategic thinking, you have to do, uh, exploratory work. You don't know, what the strategy is. You have to think about it and figure it out. Um, That's the early stage work. Um, And then even, you know, even once you have figured something out, um, there's a whole nother level of uh, um, visualization or storytelling that goes into then explaining it because um, you have to be able to, a, a good strategy is also a good, has to be a good story. And, um, if people don't understand the story of the strategy, then they don't understand the strategy and that's goes for internal people and external people. So, um, you know, part of it is the, the kind of work that might go into systems mapping and, and concept mapping, but then there's a whole nother layer of it that comes in when you have to tell a story and, um, you know, people are so visual these days, they're very sophisticated, um, in, uh, their perceptions they um, they're used to seeing TV shows and movies and um, to tell a story visually is to make it tangible and real for people so you know um, when a strategy is not a story you know you know it because it may be bullet points it may be logical but it doesn't resonate and it doesn't um, get traction when it's when it's abstract and people can't apply it and figure out how to apply it to their daily work or their their, uh, their lives.
1: Very quick break to point you to amplifyingcognition.com. You'll find a stack of resources to help you get to next level thinking, sense-making, and decision-making, including the Humans Plus AI Learning Community with extensive courses and events, free downloads from my book, Thriving on Overload, the Thoughtweaver app to achieve more with AI, productivity programs for individuals and companies, and far more. And back to the show. So I've, I've been uh, delighting in seeing uh, you create or distill, I suppose, the set of visual frameworks. I think it's a library of visual elements to, for communication, and love to love to hear about that.
0: Yeah, I know we're on a we're on a um... We're in a podcast, so uh, people are going to have to use their imaginations here. But that's a wonderful too, because imagination is a great tool. Um, yeah, so for in thirty years of you know scribbling and sketching and working in boardrooms and you know with management teams to try and visualize not just their strategies but their problems, the the approaches that they might have for. Figuring out how to deal with those problems, the processes and the structures of uh, and the stories and so forth, um, I started to notice certain patterns coming up over and over and over. Certain patterns would emerge, and um, and the visual frameworks, uh, I guess, project started with me starting to go, "Oh, these are interesting." So this is uh, this concept of. Um, a maze a problem as a maze or a problem as a puzzle that keeps coming up quite a bit or um, this uh, you know visualizing something a solution as a solar system or you know there are certain things that come up and um, so started collecting these started capturing these and um, very recently have been having a lot of fun with them um publishing them and making them work operate as uh exploring how they could work as a toolkit for um visual thinking and not necessarily skipping the the fuzzy sketchy whiteboard stage of that thinking but maybe getting more quickly from uh uh you know, my brother is a scientist, and he said once uh, to me, "Science is always ahead of language," and I think the same is true of business strategy and technology. Um, the concepts emerge before we have the language to talk about them often, and um, because we're, because they're so new, they're c- combinations of things, of old things or different things, and um, drawing can be a way to make that stuff become more real and tangible and understandable and maybe getting you know i you know i said to you earlier when we were preparing for this even after 30 years of working with visual frameworks i have as many questions about them as i have answers i still have a lot of enthusiasm and curiosity for exploring this um, toolkit but it does seem to have some very powerful um Uh, effect on helping people think better, helping them get from that fuzzy space where you don't have the words to something to having something that is more tangible and real and that you're able to talk about. Um, So it it does seem to accelerate that process and um, it also is really interesting when you have a team start to use them in their conversations because um, there are there are uh, all kinds of um, ideas that you might not have words to, and then you see a picture, and then you're, you could start to s- describe it. Um, I, have a, I had an experience with a guy, a technologist at a, a major bank, and uh, I was teaching visual thinking to the technology team in this bank, and um, he was struggling. And he was, I had asked him to draw a picture of the problem. Because if you can draw a picture of the problem, you're halfway to a solution. If, if, if it can't be drawn, it can't be done. And if you can start to visualize or draw a picture, then you start to have a plan. And he was really struggling. And I said, okay, um, just let's, you know, why don't you try employing some lateral thinking? Maybe you're just thinking too much about this as if you're a technologist. How would you think about this problem if you were a chef, or if you were um, a, sea, uh, a sailor, you know on a ship? Uh, or, and he goes, okay, that, that helps. Maybe let me work on that." And uh, 10 or 15 minutes later in this workshop, um, he drew had drawn on a flip chart this uh, picture, and it wasn't so much the picture as the story. And he was able to, to articulate, And I can tell you, I still remember the story you told because it was so clear. He said, we were, we're like a kitchen. We're the technology team in this bank. We're like a kitchen and people come back to the kitchen and they start ordering things and, um, we're making everything custom and we have to go to the grocery store every time and go buy all this special stuff because someone just ordered squid and, uh, we don't have any squid. So, or we don't have anything to to cook it with and uh, we don't have the right tools but you know 90% of the time or 80 at least 80% people have similar needs we should just have a menu we could be a restaurant like a restaurant if we just have a menu and we have the 80% of the things covered that people usually want on the menu and then if it's not if what they need isn't on the menu of course they can order off the menu but let's give them a structure let's give them a a, a menu to order from well, you already can start to see and clearly what the problem was, and you can very clearly see a solution there. And that simply came from saying, well, what if you were a chef? How would you think about the problem? So there's, um, there's a tremendous power. Uh, and that's, I don't know if you would even call that visual thinking. Yeah. That's the kind of, um, analogical thinking. Yep. I mean, you're thinking in an a- an analogy or metaphor. And, but that's a lot of what the visual frameworks do. Is they um, allow you to shuffle through a lot of different analogies and metaphors while you're searching for an idea. And um, the ability to go into a, a metaphor store, like a, like a like almost like you're buying clothes right. and right. just try on try on the different, or you know, it's almost like going to an optometrist who's putting the you know checking your eyes trying on different lenses and uh looking at an uh, and finding a better fit in the case of the the bank guy um once he had a a, a good description of the problem he had the, the the solution was there yes and that's often the case is that we the reason that we're stuck the reason that we have a problem is that we don't we have the wrong metaphor or we have the wrong frame and we just haven't really found the best description of the problem. And once we, you can find a very clear and simple description of the problem, sometimes, not always, but sometimes the solution is just self-evident. And uh, in his case, it was it was clearly that. And uh, so that's the power of
1: it. So I was thinking the in in your visual framework, so there are a lot of them are visual metaphors, you know. And a metaphor can be conceptual. A metaphor is often expressed visually, you know. The solar system you mentioned, for example, and so these can all be ways you see that you evoke it. This is a metaphor, and you can start to be able to clarify your your thinking around that.
0: Yes, and menus on there.
1: <laughs> yeah, right.
0: That's, well. that's great. Yeah.
1: So you call yourself a possibilitarian. I do. How do you, how could if someone else wanted to be a possibilitarian, how would they go about, Uh how do you become a possibilitarian? (laughs) What is the nature of expanding your thinking to think of the possible?
0: Well, I think that, I mean, I think the world is full of possibilitarians. And, uh, for me, the, uh, uh, I think I first heard the term from a guy named Greg Petroff, who's a friend of mine works at Cisco now. Um, I, he's been in he's been at several companies, including Google. But uh, a possibilitarian is someone who, um, in my view, someone who uh, looks at a situation and says, "Okay, what's what is you know, uh, politic? The art of the possible is the art of what can be hap can." what you can do with the situation. So if you look at a situation in terms of what you what you can make out of it, what you can do out of it, then I think you're a possibilitarian. And I think the um, there are people who will argue about why things are a certain way and what a solution should be or could be and spend a lot of time talking about it. Um, In my view, the possibilitarian is the person who says, well, let's find a small way to prototype that, test it, see if we can make something happen, um, and uh, find reasonable ways to test those ideas as value propositions, figure out, you know, and it's learning by doing, it's learning by trial and error, learning by figuring it out, um, sometimes stumbling around, often making mistakes, but Um, You know, the leap from theory to practice is one that many people never make, and um, theory doesn't solve problems. So this is
1: is not so much about dreaming about the possible as in uh, discovering it by doing.
0: I believe, yeah. I mean, so uh, Picasso once said that, um, you know, uh, you can you can research is not the thing Uh, you can spend your whole life searching and never find anything. And people aren't interested in so much in what you're searching for, they're interested in what you have found and, um, finding is the thing. And, um, I think that you, and maybe it's part of it is probably coming from my experience in art school where what we learned was a process for making, for creating things out of nothing or out of materials. And, um, you know, I think for me, uh, the creative act is one of the. I mean, it's 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 probably one of the things that is fundamental to humankind and our success as a species. And I think it's something that we it uh, it naturally brings joy into your life when you're uh, creating new things, and it, it it's a kind of a magical quality to creation and a mysterious quality to it. Uh, and, uh, you know, that that's what I think uh, the, the possibilitarian idea to me is about. It's about what, what can we, what's the next best step we can take? And I think for any person or any company or any organization or any group, there's always a next best step. And that's always the goal is to try and find that next best step. Um, we don't know, but we don't know what the next best step is. I, we, we never will know what the perfect next best step will be. We can only take the next best step that we can think of at the time. And that's, to me, that's how we create the future. That's how we create possibilities.
1: Yeah, that's that's always the way I've lived my life. I've always, and part of this is this, um, the sunk cost fallacy, as in, so you should always say, here I am today. It doesn't matter what mistakes I've made in the past, what's happened behind. Says right now, they have got one. Take one step forward. Ignore everything up to now. This is where <laughs> I am. What's the next step which can move me towards where I where I'm going? That's right. just always been the way I've completely completely framed my life.
0: Well, and so many people, um, you know, spend you know a lot of cycles thinking about the next best step because it's it's, uh, it's scary to actually take the next best step because whenever you take a step you're making a commitment you're and every step that you take to make a commitment to something is saying no to a thousand other possibilities and it can be paralyzing to stand at a at the uh, edge of the next step in your life and like looking off a cliff and or looking at a, a million pathways of possibility and to make the decision to to make a forward step, um, it's it can be terrifying. It can be paralyzing and exciting. Um, and and yeah, uh, but I think without taking that next step, you don't you're not moving the ball forward. You're not moving the ball down the field, as we would say in the U.S. <laughs>
1: yes. So you are working on uh, School of the Possible, something like that.
0: Uh, yes. Yeah, so, in the in the same vein, in the vein of, um, you know, what's the next best step for me? Having having sold my company and, um, you know, being in a position to think about where I want to go, um, I'm I've always been very passionate, as you can probably tell, about learning and education, and also about creativity and the unknown. And yeah, the School of the Possible is my current experiment in. Um, what's the next best step for me personally, but also what's the next step in, uh, in education and group learning we have, we're, we're in the, we kind of in the habit of school being something where people know the answers and we go there to, to find the answers or learn from the experts. But, uh, I believe school also can and should be about learning how to learn learning how to ask questions when we don't know the answers. There are so many problems and, and situations and challenges out there that we don't have answers for, but we we need to be taking figuring out what the next best step is, even in the face of complexity and and a lot of confusion and a lot of unknowns. We still need to be moving forward. So um, the School of the Possible is my uh, experiment in, in education and figuring that out. How do we learn together when we don't have the answers?
1: I look forward to hearing more about that as that progresses. So to to round out, Dave, I'd like you to offer some distilled wisdom on how it is, you know, some advice, some suggestions to people on how it is they can... Well, I would say think better, but I mean, whatever whatever positive direction you can do. How do we think of the possible? How do we think better? How do we you know, live yeah. better lives and achieve more?
0: Well, a uh, couple of thoughts I think might be helpful. One um, is the idea of um, not necessarily limiting your thinking to what can be put into words and uh, typed or written on a page to... Um, to explore the idea of uh, visual thinking. I do have a free online class that I could share a link to you that people can go and watch, you Great. know, maybe we'll be in the show notes, um, you know, a few five to 10 to 20 minute videos and kind of explore that territory. So that would be, uh, I think a good jumping off point. Um, drawing is thinking just like writing is thinking. Uh, if it can't be drawn, it can't be done. Um so it's also a great way to explore and clarify po- you know possibilities when you're still thinking about them. So just like um, just like uh, Leonardo da Vinci was able to sketch a lot of ideas that didn't weren't able to be realized even with the technology of his time, sketching is a way to start thinking about those things um, even if you're not going to be designing a helicopter or an airplane. You know, 500 years before it's a fact, um, you might still find that you, by sketching and scribbling, you come up with ideas and concepts that you wouldn't ever come up with any other way. So that's one. Start scribbling. And um, another one is uh, this idea of uh, fear. I mean, we we're wired to seek reward and avoid threat. Every organism in the in the universe is wired to seek reward and avoid threat. And um, for good reasons, our wiring is kind of biased a little bit towards the avoiding threat part. You, you're you not going to, you know, a possibilitarian that gets eaten by a dinosaur is not going to pass on their uh, genes to the next generation. <laughs> so um, I think um, that's why we have a lot of we're we're emotionally and hormonally wired to to be afraid to to kind of cling to the status quo the safe zone and not to step into those uh, advent, more adventurous or dangerous territories. But um, my one rule that has served me really well over the course of my life is when when I'm facing a uh, a dilemma or a decision or a choice about where to go in the future, and one of and they seem roughly equal, but one feels safer and the other feels scary. Um, always go toward the fear, uh, because that's where growth is. That's where possibilities are. That's where the opportunities are. I think if you, um, the fact that you're even weighing it as a possibility, um, means that it's a it's a it's a realistic and possible scenario. The fact that you're feeling fear is probably relative to um your wiring and your your tendency to want to seek uh, safety and avoid threat you know the 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 it you know the the world is a is a can be a dangerous and scary place but for the most part um you're you're not taking your life in your hands when you take a chance in the in the business or the creative world. So I encourage people to step into that, lean into that fear and, um, and take a a few steps. You can, you, you live in, in the near the ocean and you go swimming every day. Oh, well, you know, there's sharks in the ocean. (laughs) There's, there's always some danger, but you don't have to dive into the deep part of the deepest part of the ocean. You can step in, you can, you can wade in, you can go part way in, you can go halfway in. Um, so there's a lot of ways to uh, kind of trick yourself into stepping into uncomfortable situations that um, can be really rewarding in terms of personal growth. So I encourage people to, to when in doubt, go towards the fear.
1: I think that uh, following that advice will get take people a very, very, very long way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs>
1: been a true delight uh, talking with you, Grave. Thank you so much for your time and your insight and your wisdom. Yeah,
0: my pleasure. It's really been uh, it's great talking to you, Ross. Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you for listening to the show. If you really want to amplify your cognition, go to amplifyingcognition.com, where you can access a trove of useful resources to make your mind better and more effective than ever before. If you liked this episode, please do help us be found by giving us a rating or review and subscribe if you want to hear more of this. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day.